This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And this episode is sponsored by 2-6 Digital, a full-service agency that offers integrated marketing solutions exclusively to destination marketing organizations and members of the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. Dave Serino, Brian Matson, and the 2-6 team assist DMOs with developing measurable and successful digital marketing strategies through specialized solutions to elevate the overall understanding, strategic direction, and tactical implementation of impactful campaigns. You can learn more at 26digital.com. And now on to our show as we are honored today to welcome Don Welsh, CEO of Destinations International to DMOU, a seasoned tourism executive with more than 35 years of experience in the industry. Don served as the president and CEO of Choose Chicago, the Indianapolis CBA, and the Seattle Convention and Visitors Bureau. Prior to joining the destination marketing industry, Don served as Senior Vice President for Weston Hotels at its corporate headquarters and has held senior leadership positions in sales and marketing for Weston Hotels and Resorts, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, and the MGM Grand Hotel Casino in Las Vegas. Since accepting the top spot at Destinations International in 2016, Don has implemented a strategic realignment for the association through a renewed commitment to focus on member needs to deliver the resources that members have determined to be essential to the success of their organizations. Don Welsh, welcome to DMOU. Bill, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I've been waiting uh, four years for this invitation, so I, 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 do, <laughs> I do appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Well, DMOU has only been going for about six months, so anyway, it's great to get you on board. And uh, as the Grateful Dead famously said, what a long, strange trip it has been. It is so hard to get my head around the fact that it's been four years, almost four years, since you stepped into the role of CEO of this industry's trade association and the changes at what was once DMAI, now Destinations International, have been just amazing. And so congratulations for all of that. It's a role that I'm not sure that you were looking to fulfill when you stepped in, but wow, it has been transformational. So congratulations. No, you're very kind in saying that. I've had uh, since the beginning. As a matter of fact, even before I started, I it'd be March 1 uh, of this year that uh, I had the good fortune of moving to D.C. from Chicago. And, um, you know, even before I got here, I started getting uh, great uh, notes of support and an endorsement from uh, members and uh, both current and past board members. So we sort of hit the ground running with having a little bit of uh, enthusiasm waiting for us. And uh, it clearly has been a... Um, fun and challenging uh, and very gratifying first four years. Yeah, absolutely. So first question, hit us up with what in your mind are the three biggest successes that you've been able to realize in reinvigorating Destinations International? Well, first of all, to try to narrow it to three is a little bit of a challenge. And I'll try to do that, but I may actually make it four and I'll consolidate it into three. As I said earlier, one of the things that uh, has happened is when uh, a lot of the new team and myself came on board, we spent a lot of time in the field really for the first six months. And we met with members either individually, you were in a couple of those meetings, Bill, I remember. Yep. 
uh, and we talked to everybody we could and said, okay, as we started thinking about the next generation of uh, Destinations International, which was DMAI at the time, you know, it really, it was a simple question. What do you want? What do you need? What will you support? And that was a repetitive question. Many of our members may remember that. And really by getting that, it really did frame up what our members prioritized that they wanted from the association. And again, with a lot of input, a lot of engagement and support from the board, you know, we had some challenges uh, during the first, you know, couple of years. But again, I, I think the, the, the great thing I look back on now was I've used the analogy, we were fixing the airplane at altitude. <laughs> and not only fixing it, we were, um, we were building a new organization. Yeah. And we were building a members, uh, an organization that our members wanted. So I'm really, really proud of the fact that we had a very, very large circle of people that helped us develop something that uh, to this day, four years into it now, is getting the traction we were hoping for. And uh, it wouldn't have happened without having this pre-work that we did and a lot of people supporting. So I'm really going to say number one was that we rebuilt an organization that our members wanted, needed, and would support. Probably now on a broader level, I think one of the things that, that I saw clearly in Seattle and Indianapolis and Chicago, I began seeing some things, particularly both on the leisure side and the meetings market, that began, I think, questioning to some degree the relevance of um, what destinations did for meeting planners, for their hotel partners or whoever it may be on the, the end using customer. So we really started talking about what are the things we needed to do as the industry association to help our members clearly begin communicating their value proposition to their community and key stakeholders dealing with relevance. And, you know, by again, by getting a, a broad based group of people, I, I talk about our planner influencer board, which really has helped us in the meetings industry both small markets, large markets, to help us give the information that our members need to better serve the meetings industry. Because it's our feeling that a meeting begins and ends with a destination. And when the planner understands that there is really only one organization, I don't care whether it's a meeting for 50 people or 10,000 people, that they need to engage the destination in that city or that state or that country to help them really develop the best program for themselves and their 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 objectives for the meeting. So I really I really think that over the last few years we're helping our members sort of redefine their statements in terms of relevance uh, in their communities. And uh, that's a continuation and a continuum, but I feel really good about where we are versus where we started. And probably the last one that I'm very proud of is we made a conscious decision when we changed our name, when we started calling ourselves Destinations International, we had a new vision, a mission, a value proposition, a new strategy. We went back and forth on saying, are we really going to be an international association? Or are we going to be basically U.S. or North America? And I'm, I'm exceptionally proud that with a lot of hard work, Nina Winston has put into it, our global committee. I got to give Tammy Blunt a lot of credit as our former chair when she came on board and worked with Nina and myself to really begin laying the groundwork. I think about the support we've gotten from Ray Bloom and his team at IMEX and people that really didn't know what we did or how we were going to do it. And it's, it's ironic. I look back on the international growth now and what has fueled that growth, in addition to saying, oh, by the way, we're now an international association, is you got to prove it. I think there have been really two or three products now that are helping us drive that. And the one is the event impact calculator. The calculator now, as you know, I think every destination 
that has some form of measurement, some form of reporting to government, private sector, public sector, whatever it may mm-hmm. be, that reporting and having third party empirical data really is, is an essential part of what organizations have to do to be successful. Getting back to that relevance point. I look at what's occurred with EIC. The first area we knew through our partnership with ECM in Europe was we knew that the European market needed that. So we built that in conjunction with Tourism Economics and Oxford Economics uh, in the UK, and we modeled it for the Euro. And now to be able to say this product that was built for the US market only in the meetings product uh, is now in Europe was a big step. I think the next one that we went into, which is was a huge statement because it's been so well received in Canada, has been EIC. But along the way, when you start looking at the importance of data collection and reporting, you know, we also had a couple really, really important partners that had their own reporting systems. One was the National Association of Sports Commissions, and that was Al Kidd. And, you know, after Al met with his board and he came on and started looking at what they had versus what we had and the number of destinations that have sports commissions as part of what they do. Right. To the credit of their board and Al, they had the vision to say, you know what? Let's just adopt EIC. So we now have this universal group reporting both meetings, sports, and events. And I think really one of the areas that we're really, really proud of is what we have done. I think for for most of us who've been in this industry for a long time, there's always been a bit of a variance or discrepancy between what the destination reports, CVB, DMO, versus what the building does. And I think that really has hurt over the years somewhat of the credibility of the numbers we report. And I applaud Brad Main, the CEO of IAVM, which is the International Association of Venue Managers, which represent the convention centers and the arenas and the stadiums. They also had their own economic modeling tool. And when we launched this partnership with them, the adoption we've had now with uh, buildings and venues is critical. We've gone live with this product now. So I, I do think this really does get back to the relevancy it gets back to the credibility. It gets back to the transparency that are all key things we've heard from our members uh, over the last three, four years. And I'm exceptionally proud of that. So uh, EIC and Destination Next, uh, a product that really is an independent assessment of how to really determine where you stand against yourself, where you stand against your competitive set has also been a key driver. And, and you know, in the case of these two products, uh, we've aligned with really the best in their fields. So we realize not we're not a group of consultants, but we work with a great group of consultants. You're one of them. And uh, that's what you do. And um, I think this whole cooperative effort that you're seeing, not only in EIC and Destination Next, but other products as well, is serving our members well. Your last point about the integration with NASC and other organizations so that everybody is grabbing on to a single measurement tool is really just a touchback to the Destination Next Future study, where it's all about collaboration. I mean, and and we, sadly, like so many industries, had been very siloed. And I think what's happened over the past few years is now we're realizing that by connecting with all these other industry associations, we all use the same measurement tools. It's what we needed. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. And I also think that, you know, we, we have a lot of new team members that uh, have been with me since I've gotten here. I think one of the things that's really helped us is a lot of the people that have joined our team recently. And I look at Melissa, I look at Jack and Caitlin and uh, others. 
you know what? It always helps to have been in a destination organization so you understand the the daily challenges and issues mm-hmm. that go on in a CVB or a DMO. And I think by us having um, a little bit of that knowledge, it really has been helpful to our members when they've needed our help. Absolutely. So here's the exciting part. And, and what I, I really want to go deep on with you is Destinations International has just announced a partnership with SimpleView that will reimagine one of this organization's legacy products. At one point, people joined DMAI and before that IACVB because of Mint, because of the database, because this global convention-based compendium of all the information that we needed to go out and do our jobs in the meetings and conventions side of what destination organizations do. Tell us about the new Mint Plus. Yeah, Mint Plus has been a, been a process that really, I think we began looking at, probably the board started looking at this before uh, I even got here in 2016. And we realize right now that, you know, to be in a, in a competitive environment and have a product that your members valued and can use was very important. So not long after we got here, we started looking at what empowerment was versus Mint. And we realized that there were many other companies in the space of lead generations and those type of things. So we began unbundling what was for a long time known as empowerment. And we realized that when we decoupled this and we started looking at really the Mint piece, that was the piece that for decades had been part of previous organizations, no matter what the name was. You know, you look back and what we looked in the archives of Mint, uh, the men and women that worked in the organization back in the 30s and 40s saw the value of somehow writing on on note cards meetings <laughs> that took place in their communities. Yeah. And, you know, I think the coolest thing was we realized that if you were in uh, in Chicago and St. Louis, there was pretty good chance that somehow there was going to be an exchange of that customer potentially going to your two cities. So as early as those days, we began this information sharing. And of course, over the years, it has blossomed and it's gotten bigger and better. But we did get to that point where we realized that technology is always changing. We realized our strengths. We understand our limitations. We knew that for the previous system to really work, it was going to take millions of dollars on behalf of Destinations International to infuse into this product to get it to the next level. In order to do this right, we began a process in 2018. We engaged our our friends at at JLL, uh, who intimately know the uh, product and service. This was something that really, it started in uh, July of 18, even prior to that, in a very regimented process to begin looking at, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of, uh, of Mint. When we came away from this, we realized we had two directions to go in. One, again, we spent a few million dollars being in an industry that we're really not built to be in, or really work with our partners that really are in that space. As we've shown with other products that, uh, that we partner, we think that what we've now done with SimpleView is such a right thing for the industry because we realize there's this great repository of meetings data in Mint that has been there. We have a great partnership with Columbia Books. They've been cleaning this data for the last few years, making it more worthwhile for our members, more valuable. But we also realize that a lot of the data that is really timely and relevant sits within the CRM systems of our respective members. When you look at the power of SimpleView and Tempest and some of the others that are in that space, it really made sense for us to begin having conversations with those uh, organizations. 
And I'm pleased to say that Ryan George and his team at Simpleview, who have been unwavering in their support to DI over the good times and challenging times, really just saw this as an opportunity with us to take this great system and take it to the next level. As you know, Bill, we closed on this deal just before the end of the year. It was presented to the board at our last board meeting, enthusiastic, unanimous support on the direction of this. And I will tell you that Ryan and his team at Simpleview have been going full speed since the beginning of the year to begin building out the what we're going to call the first phase. And the first phase is going to really allow for further integration of the data that we already have between the individual member CRMs, begin cross-referencing that with the information within the Mint database, and from that, we'll begin this great collaboration. We believe between SimpleView and us, the power is at the destination. And I think when you start getting back to my comment earlier about relevance, there have been people that have come into the industry that have done exceptionally well in our industry that really aren't in our industry. In many cases, uh, having a very high profit margin on selling information back to us about meetings that have taken place in our market. We totally understand that. We support that. This is a free market game. But we also believe right now that a lot of the information that's been missing, that is really member destination driven, resides there. And uh, we're really excited about the future. So we've got a meeting, um, uh, matter of fact, coming up next week during the Convention Sales and Services uh, Committee here in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., and then I will assure you will be getting updates from us regarding Mint Plus. But I do think this is a game changer as we get further into 2020, which we've more or less um, guaranteed pricing. We didn't. We wanted this to be no excuse why somebody couldn't stay in it, participate, grow, test it, kick the tires. Uh, and we really think in, in mid to late 20 and 21, it will begin achieving some uh, very clear directives we receive from our members about what they want and need. You know, and I think one of the exciting parts for me, simple view, they're the giant, right? Then there's Tempest, which is an amazing company that is doing fabulous work in a very similar style as simple view. And I was there at the foundation meeting where this was being rolled out, that this was going to happen. And, you know, and there's always that, the fear, if you will, that you're going to sign up with the giant. And what does that mean for everybody else? And the first person who said, let's do this, was the CEO of Tempest. And so, you know, for our listeners who are thinking, oh, geez, I'm not a simple view person. I'm not a simple view company. The beauty of Mint Plus is that SimpleView has dedicated itself to making sure that it's cross-platform. Tempest users can use it. Others can use it. Tell us about how that works. Well, I, I agree. And I think one of the, the things we've done on this, and I'm gl really glad you brought that up because I mentioned Tempest at the beginning as well. But, you know, in, in a perfect world, you would have loved to have probably every key player that's in that space. At the end of the day, we realized probably in order to get this off the ground and launching, the easiest way we uh, are able to do it is really allow for an open format for additional partners to be able to come in and begin adding their data. And you start talking about Ryan and you start talking about Alex and you start talking about some of the other folks in this space. You know, we believe that um, th this whole community sharing of data, which uh, Ryan does an incredible job and Alex of talking about this, this is going to give the more people that begin participating, Bill, of populating this data, I think one of the things we have also learned is 
There is nothing that is falls into exclusive information about a group now. And the more we can begin populating information about a particular meeting, is clearly going to help our members to be able to more intelligent. It's going to also help the, uh, the planner know a little bit more about their meetings. So when we engage hotel companies and we engage others, which is the vision for this, the power that can come from this, this Mint Plus database in the next two to three to five years is going to be um, what we've all envisioned. And the platform has been laid, but you're right. I'm glad you brought up this open partnership. This is not an exclusive arrangement. The more the merrier, and it's being built that way for the platform to do that. Yeah, and, and hats off to SimpleView for having a more global vision because there are other platforms that, you know, destinations are finding great success with and that it's going to be cross-platformational, if you will, I think makes Mint Plus what it always needed to be and what it, what it really should be the business proposition that we're having for our members, that somehow we believe in this, this community sharing of data. And the more that participate, the more you're going to get out of it. But let's say all of a sudden, a year or two from now, the destination has put in 500 specific records from their CRM and their destination, whether it's a Tempest user, a SimpleView user, whoever. If at the end of this test period, the destination says, you know what, I really don't see the value in this, we will extract the profiles and the data that they've entered. And it goes back to that CRM and those uh, records actually will come out of this Mint Plus database. So it's, there's really limited to no downside about a destination mm -hmm. participating in this to help expand their knowledge of a customer and more importantly, give them a whole platform, a new customer. You know, when the two of us had the opportunity almost four years ago now to, uh, to sit down as you were getting ready to take the reins of Destinations International, and we were talking about needs. You, know, you said at the outset, that was the first six months of your tenure was, you know, what do you need? What are you willing to support? And, you know, we talked about the needs of the medium to small DMO. And we had that conversation about, you know, here's what the mediums and smalls need. And can Destinations International be that resource for them? So, you know, one of my favorite quotes in the sales world is that no, is not no, it's a plea for more information. So for the DMOs that have yet to come back to or join Destinations International, what is the more information that they need to know? What, what has changed that they may not know that would cause them to say, I'm in? Really great question. And the first thing we did was we went back and looked at our, at our rates for membership. And our belief right now is that we never want a smaller destination not to be able to come in and uh, and participate because of rate structure. So I think when you went back and looked at the new rates that we that we introduced a couple of years ago, Bill, we went the painstaking process it was about a year process to really go back because we we knew that somehow unless we determine what the value proposition we provided to our members, that somehow unless that occurred, that had to be the foundational. I also think that it's helped to have somebody working at the board level over the last couple of years to help us really understand the needs of the smaller to mid-sized market, which I'm pleased to say 64% of our total members, uh, which are about 600 now in 12 countries, are in the smaller to mid-sized category. And I, I'd say right now that what has helped driving that is the fact we've got a, um, a person by the name of Melissa Lofton in Vacaville, as you know, Melissa, mm -hmm. she's on our board. Absolutely. We're talking about a champion 
for the smaller to medium-sized destinations and everything we've done. She's been that champion. And it's not by coincidence that we've developed programs, that we've developed content at the annual convention, that we develop webinars, that we've developed specific communication that really is only relevant to some of the destinations that have upwards, you know, on the low end, two people to eight people that can help them tap into um, how do they get uh, the most out of their membership. So what are some of the things that the smaller or medium-sized DMOs can expect from Destinations International that maybe they could never access uh, on their own? Well, you know, a good question. And I I do think, again, uh, with the leadership of Melissa and our uh, small market task force, you know, they, they come up with a lot of the programs and things we need to do for those destinations to get their value out of being a member here. So that's driving it. I think also the peer to peer forums uh, that we do as well. But what we also find out is when we have whatever summit it may be, uh, it's amazing how the, the smaller to midsize, they find their time for their shirt sleeves. So whether they're in convention sales and services, whether they're in um, uh, and finance ops, whatever it may be, there is great opportunity for shirt sleeves. I would say right now, one of the biggest things we've done is we've understood, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'd be focused on meetings, conventions. Well, it was probably one of my first meetings four years ago when there were probably 20 or 30 of the smallers in the same room. And I said, I was talking about all these great big partnerships and really none of them were really in the meetings and convention business. There began a little bit of a paradigm shift by me to understand that many of these destinations, you know, they're leisure oriented. They may do some small meetings, but they're generalists. And that's what I've come to really applaud and appreciate that these men and women working in smaller destinations, they have to do the same things that a large to super large has to do, but with a much smaller budget and certainly much less resources. So we want to be an extension of what they need to be successful, but we also want to provide products and services that they may not have the ability to tap into, but through their membership. So the navigation of being a member and all the things we do afford and provide a member, we want to make sure they understand what those are and how for them to use it. So for the mediums and the smalls that may not see the impact of maybe Mint Plus because they don't pursue meetings and conventions like some of the bigs do, what are the assets that Destinations International can bring to a small or medium-sized DMO that maybe they don't understand? Because for me, just the networking and the professional development opportunities and the summits like advocacy and membership partnership and, and, and the rest, those are amazing opportunities for growth. But if you're standing in an elevator, you know, the, the typical response, what would you say to a small or medium DMO you know, why they need to be a part of Destinations International. And Bill, on that point, I agree with you. I think one of the areas that we're priding ourselves on, whether it's the work that Jack is doing in advocacy or whether it's the work that's being done by Melissa or whoever it may be on our senior team, we want to make sure thought leadership crosses all boundaries. It crosses all budgets. These are the kind of things that I realize there may be fewer people to do it, but I think it's so important that our smaller members understand all the different resources and options. And that's where I do think that the small market task force has been so critical to make sure that those things on our website or those things that we do with our webinars are custom built around the destinations that need it the most in many cases. Yeah. And I think that regardless of size, what Jack Johnson has been doing with the you know shared community value 
concept and the cornerstone and the lexicon of tourism. Those are things that I think, especially at a small and medium sized bureau, those are critical to the future success. And, you know, for those of listening into this podcast, go deeper down on the on the list and, and make sure that you uh, download the Jack Johnson podcast, because that really is one of the things that I think has been so needed in this industry is is the guidance and leadership to say, here's how we tell our story and here's how we tell it more effectively. And sadly, this has been an industry over the past 30, 40 years, and we are honestly a very young sector that we've been struggling to, to get our hands around just how to express the importance of what we do. Because it's, as I've been saying for forever, this is not heads and beds. It's much broader. It's heads. It's not heads and beds. And so, you know, I, I think that the work that Jack has been doing through the foundation, through all of the research, I mean, there is so much content that Destinations International is is now producing that if you're not a member and you are running or leading a destination organization, this is the place. This is where you need to be. So it's time for the bonus round. This is that moment that we go a little off topic. And, you know, when we're young, many of us dream of what we're going to do when we grow up, right? We're going to be firefighters. We're going to be astronauts. We're going to be movie stars. We're going to be ballerinas. We're going to be something. But I don't think any of us, when we're four or five years old, think that we're going to be a DMO executive. So if you hadn't pursued tourism and hospitality, what would Don Welsh be doing right now? Well, I think I would do one of two things. One, um, if I had any talent at all, I'd be a musician. But for whatever reason, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in the world of music, but I love music and I have a passion for it. Probably if I look at the things I did do in high school and college, I loved uh, team sports. I still love team sports. And I had the good fortune. I was a, I was a baseball catcher uh, until my eyes uh, sort of went away. And I always loved being a catcher. You know, a lot of times, you know, you look at the game of baseball and you think the pitcher is really the one in control. The reality is if you ever really the one who's guiding the team, the silent one to um, bring everybody together really is the catcher. Positioning people on the field, yeah. you know, calling the pitches. I've always found that to be such an incredible position that sometimes doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. And, and clearly, you can look at that in business today. You can look at that in other worlds of sports. There's plenty of people that come in, they do their job. They're the silent leaders uh, that really make organizations tick. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm probably one of those two things if I could maybe reverse time. And who knows, maybe I'll uh, pick up a guitar soon. <laughs> Absolutely. We wait for you to be part of the uh, the Destinations International house band. I'm only their manager right now. I'm their, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm their, I'm their roadie. I understand my role. You know, it's so funny that we we share that in common. When I was playing softball, uh, and I played it like four nights a week when I was back in Illinois, and when I moved to Madison, I was looking for a team, and you know, it was hard to to break in because you're you know nobody knows you, and they think, oh, yeah, whatever. And they say, what position do you play? And I said, catch in first, and they kind of looked at me like, what? Nobody volunteers for catcher. That's just such a stupid thing. And I. And so I get on a team, they were short one weekend and they said, okay, we're going to let you play, you know, you're Roger today so that they wouldn't get, you know, in trouble with the league. And they stuck me in. And after the first inning, you know, everybody's patting me on the back because they said, we've never had a catcher that backed up first before. 
I mean, because in most cases, you don't, you know, it's softball. You know, you're not going to work that hard. But, you know, I'm tearing down first base line and, you know, throwing somebody out who thinks they're going to make it to second. And it, you're, you're right. Catcher is probably the best example for what so many of us do. Yes, we're the leader, but we're not seen as the leader. But behind the scenes, we're getting this thing done. So, and I and I, I think there's a lot of correlation there. And I think we have a lot of men and women uh, who who come to work every day uh, that bring their very best, and they're not getting all the accolades. But you know that doesn't stop them from uh, just doing their very best for their communities every day. Yeah. Well, Don, thanks for all you've done for the industry. Destinations International, the reinvigoration over the past four years has been sensational. And it's great to have an organization that has all of our backs. So thank you so much. Well, Bill, I appreciate that. But I'll just close by saying, you know, you, you can't have any team. I don't care whether it's sports or business without having a group of people that are in for the shared mission and they buy into it and they believe in, in what you do because there's good days and there's tough days, but, you know, you, you come together. And I would say that for our 25 team members at Destinations International, Every day we feel like it's an honor and a privilege to do what we do and to represent uh, all of our members. And that, that's our goal. That's why we're here. But we're truly uh, fortunate to do what we do and call nice. that our living. Sensational. So that's it for this edition of the Resurrected DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. Thanks too to our sponsor, 26 Digital, a full service agency that offers integrated marketing solutions exclusively to the destination marketing organization and members of the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. Dave Serino, Brian Matson, and the 26 team assist DMOs with developing measurable and successful digital marketing campaigns. You can find them at 26digital, those are all letters, not numbers, 26digital.com. DMOPros.com is where you'll find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.